little test. Okay, test one, two, test one, two, three. Oh, Boom. that's definitely your work voice. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of that load of crap. Let's move on. Okay. Welcome to Crime Shots. This is Bree. And this is Nikki. So, there is a little town right outside of Waco called Axtell, Texas. Axtell? Axtell. It's like A-X-T-E-L-L. I actually had to do like a Google Translate to read it to me. Here, I think I have it pulled up to have the correct pronunciation. Axtell. Did you hear that? No. Axtell. 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 I've not heard of that. Yeah. So I've never heard of it either, but it's just like right outside of Waco. Waco is where it's pretty famous right now, I guess, because of Chip and Joanna Gaines. Magnolia Mm. Silo. The silos the silo. and Magnolia, yeah, that's yeah. right in Waco. So anyway, so Axtell, where this happened, is um, they only their their po- their population's like twenty two hundred people, pretty small. Yeah. The what we're gonna talk about, there was a murder that happened in uh, nineteen eighty two. Oh, nineteen eighty two. Okay. Yeah, we're going. We're taking it back. Taking it back. Taking it taking back. Taking it back to before. <laughs> We were born. Ooh, that is. We're was telling that... our age. I know. Was that before you were born? That was. Barely. <laughs> yes. Listen, I'm listen. My year is right there. So, <laughs> you know, I'm t- I'm telling you like you don't know my entire life. Um, it's <laughs> true. I was I was there when you were born. So so what happened in 1982? So, um, Beth Bramlett was born July 11th, 1965. Um, She enjoyed riding horses, hanging out with her best friends. She was 17 years old and was preparing for her last year of high school at Extel High School. All right. So on August 7th, 1982, there was a party at a place called the Trading House. It was at the the Lake in Waco. Uh, Okay. Okay, so um, I looked this up, and I I don't think that that's there anymore. Um, I haven't heard of that. I haven't I haven't heard of that. Right. So there is like a no, I'm not gonna say a bar, like a restaurant, but more of like a snacky place. Okay, like a like a bar and grill. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that that's what replaced the trading house. Gotcha. Okay. So um, there was a party there. Everybody's like, it's the end of the summer. You know, we're going to turn it up. The lake is actually a, a small reservoir. It's like like a little bit of fishing and like a social hangout. It's not super, super big. Okay. Um, I've never actually been to the Waco Lake. I, I haven't been there either. I don't travel that way much. Yeah, I guess I really don't either. So anyway, so they're out there and they're partying and it's just like kind of okay with everybody and... 1982 it was not uncommon for kids to just be partying like that and nobody made really a big deal about it back then it's good times so (laughs) so they're partying having a good time and then a fight breaks out between a few different people it did not include beth or the people that she went there with but at some point one of the kids in the fight took out a pistol and like fired a shot in the air to kind of like scare scare everybody right And so everybody kind of dispersed and all that kind of stuff. So then people started to leave. So Beth decided, you know what? It's time for me to go. So it was around 1 a.m. So now this is rolled into August 8th. And she started walking home. Walking? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's not uncommon in the 80s to walk everywhere. You definitely wouldn't do that now. But Right. And especially, uh, you know, if there was probably drinking out there 
Right. I don't, I'm not saying she was because it doesn't say, but I'm just saying there probably was. So she, it was probably even hard for her to find a ride home. Right. Um. So she starts walking home down a road called Hall Road. I looked it up on the map and the lake where she started walking from is about 12 miles from Axtell. Like, in all reality, okay. when you're saying... 12 miles from the party? Right. Okay. So, um, so she starts walking and at some point... While she's walking, which she had not gone very far, her friend, Teresa Wood, and a driver named Johnny stopped to pick her up to give her a ride home. So, shortly after they pick her up, Johnny's like, yo, I don't have enough gas to get to your house. And so, she's like, okay. And so, she gets out and starts walking again. And That's odd. <laughs> well, it's, that's, I mean, not really. Odd. So she gets out, starts walking. Teresa and Johnny go back to the party to maybe see if somebody has a gas can or more money for gas or if there's another person that could take her home. So they go back to the party. She starts walking. She's kind of hoping that she can catch her out somebody else. So when she got out of the car, she was at the corner of Wilbanks and Hall Drive, which is only like a block away from the party. Okay. So, so she it's, hadn't got far when they we're gonna take her home anyway exactly and on the corner that she got let out at right there on that corner there is hallsburg city hall okay so i mean it's not like she's just out in the woods and there's absolutely nothing around which is actually what i thought of at first until i saw it on the map her friends go back to the party when they get back to the party teresa's father um his name is talmage waynewood he was there and he was ticked he had already told teresa not to hang out with beth they never knew why he didn't want her running around with her with beth but he was mad and told her she needed to get home and she better make it home before he did Ooh, Mm -hmm. she was in trouble Mm -hmm. teresa they immediately get in the vehicle and they leave um they went the same route that they were going before so they would have come across beth but she was already gone Teresa assumed she had gotten a ride with somebody. So, did she ride home with her dad or... No, she rode home with Johnny. Okay. Okay. Teresa actually did make it home before her father got there. He didn't end up getting home until around like 4.30. Okay. So, they found out the next morning, of course, Beth never made it home. Okay. Skip ahead and Beth's body had laid face down for several days on an abandoned railroad track right by her home. A fisherman found her in the middle of the afternoon on August 10th, which was two days later. So she was on a railroad track. So Mm -hmm. is it a used railroad track? I mean, we're very familiar with railroad tracks here in Texas and... Right, no, this uh, was an abandoned railroad track. And I looked it up and they've since pulled this railroad track up. Okay. So it's, I mean, you know how it is. They'll get abandoned. Nobody will use them. And it takes years before they'll actually pull the track up. Right. So yeah, it was abandoned. They've since pulled it up. So two days later, a fisherman found her face face down on the railroad tracks. Okay. So when investigators got there, she had been shot in the head. She was found wearing jeans and a t-shirt and did not appear to have any other injuries until she was turned over. Investigators say that it looked as if someone had chewed or gnawed, maybe even eaten a part of her body. Okay. Question. Mm -hmm. So, could this have been animals? No, because she was shot in the head. But the chewing or gnawing or, or, I mean, they didn't know. That's just what it appeared to them when initially when they first turned her over. Okay. So, they get into a little bit more detail when they do the autopsy. Okay. The detectives didn't have a lot of evidence to work with. Again, this is 1982. They had no weapon, no vehicle, um, no place where 
telltale DNA might hide. So they were very limited. Right. The, I mean, it's the 80s. They didn't have the technology that we have now. Exactly. Exactly. So autopsy would show that Beth had been beaten, mm-hmm. um, which is actually the chew and chewed and nod what they thought but she had been severely beaten she was shot with a 22 caliber handgun once in the head and once in the chest mm. so at the time like i said investigators had little technology to work with mm-hmm. so they had to result in word of mouth who saw her last who was at the party who talked to her did anybody see her walking on the side of the road did she have any enemies what the, yeah i see what you're going right so <clears throat> naturally they do the first thing that comes to they it, they feature it everywhere any they, mm-hmm. on the news programs in the newspaper you know because back then they had newspapers everybody read them <laughs> they tried to feature it wasn't, it wasn't online no they didn't have google yeah they kind of had to resort to anything you know stopping by talking to people finding out what's going on in october of 1982 they caught a break that month a man named jimmy dean rowe turned himself in to the local police and confessed to killing Beth with an accomplice accomplice <laughs> accomplice that's uh, ridiculous you too much wine oh that's well nothing can be worse than more wine and with an accomplice named Carlos Castro Carlos so Castro. yeah I've never I don't know why that name stands out to me like I was well like, Fidel Castro <laughs> obviously not the same <laughs> Okay, keep going. <laughs> so, a detective with the Kerrville Police Department. Kerrville? Uh-huh. I know. Kerrville is not close to Waco. I know, but this is where this man was. Okay. So, he said, quote, He said he had gone and spoke to the Lord, and the Lord told him to confess to these murders. And this is Jimmy Dean. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jimmy Dean wrote. So, Jimmy with- Dean also okay. claimed to have extrasensory perception, or ESP, uh, okay. and told authorities he had clairvoyant abilities. So, he's totally believable. <laughs> Most reliable witness they probably had. I mean, it's just... <laughs> How can you not go with that? <laughs> so he spoke to the Lord, uh-huh. and the Lord told him that he needed to go turn himself in. Right. So he goes to the Kerrville police and turns himself in and says it was him and Carlos Castro that killed Beth. Exactly. Did he say why? Yeah. The Lord told him to. I mean... <laughs> okay, so is he saying he did it? Yeah, he, and he said that he did it. the Lord it. told him to turn himself in? Yes, he or, said that okay. he did it and the Lord told him to turn himself in. But did does he say why he killed Beth? No, he just said the Lord told him to turn himself in. Okay. <laughs> so according to a police report by the Waco Police Department, authorities concluded that Roe was hallucinating and trying to get recognition to be famous. Okay. <laughs> So, no, he didn't have a motive. <laughs> Hallucinating he didn't do it. to become famous. I told you, they had so... they had broke this story everywhere. Like, it was all over the place. So, everybody knew so about just, it. Yeah. yeah. And he wanted his name in the paper, and he thought, hmm, three square meals a day. Let's do this. Yeah. What could go wrong? Okay. <laughs> so, both men were arrested, but investigators concluded their stories were fake after Roe failed to answer basic questions about the chain of events leading up to the murder. So, the okay. charges were dismissed. And they took off. Yeah. And Jimmy Dean was very upset that he was not going to become famous mm-hmm. for a murder like, he did man, not commit. I can't even, I can't even invent sausage, let alone... <laughs> <laughs> 
After that, the case went cold for decades. It wasn't until 2017 after KWTX ran a story on the 35th anniversary of the murder. Oh, okay. Investigators turned their attention to one of the original persons of interest. Can we tell you who it is? Yes, I want to know who it is. (laughs) Pause for reaction. Talmadge Wayne Wood. (gasps) Teresa's father. Teresa's father who said he didn't want her hanging around with Biff. Mm -hmm. And she needed to get her butt home that night. And she got home before he did. And he didn't get home till what, 4.30? Exactly. So what was he doing between 1 and 4.30? Well, I'm going to break it down. Do that. So one of the cold case squad members had actually worked on the original investigation. His name was Terry... Fuller. Um, he was also well acquainted with the Bramlett family, Beth's family, and he knew Mr. Wood from childhood. You know how these small towns work. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. That's all that's all about the small town right there. Everybody knows everybody. Exactly. So there had been talk around town about Wood's violent behavior. I mean violent. So Fuller said people he talked to and spoke about Wood, he said that he would tie up his wife. And one of the witnesses said that Wood even showed pictures of his wife tied up and said that he would beat her. She was always found with bruises and marks all over her. See, this is where I take a frying pan to my husband's head. <laughs> well, because okay, this listen, is listen, not... to, listen to this dude's background, okay? So, Wood served in the U.S. Marines and then was a mechanic at General Tire and Rubber Company. Later in life, he was self-employed. He was like an air conditioner, small appliance repairman. Okay. This dude was a Marine. Okay. And I don't know. It's crazy to me whenever I hear stories about Marines because I am such an advocate for Marines and the military. Mm -hmm. And so it just breaks my heart when you hear stuff about this. Okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. I know. And the Marines are just known for being just like hardcore and like all about... Yeah, they're badass. Being a Marine, yeah. So four months after Beth's murder, Wood broke into a widow's home a week before Christmas, shot the woman and her son. For what? Was he stealing something? Did he know them? Okay, so they survived and Wood claimed self-defense. After you break into exactly. their house. He broke into their home and he claimed self-defense. And did he get away with that? He was convicted and was sentenced to 10 years probation. That what? Exactly. I thought you were going to say 10 I years know. in prison. I know. And I was shocked at that. I know. It is insane. probation? Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. No no consequences to your actions. Mm -hmm. So the very next year, he attempted to kidnap an elderly woman at gunpoint at Richland Mall. Okay. The stuff that you're telling me right now, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm thinking, how in the hell was he able to go this whole time (laughs) without... The police thinking if he was original, he w- yeah he was an original person of interest. Person of interest. Okay, this is crazy. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Okay, so he shoots two people, gets ten years probation. He kidnaps or attempts to kidnap an elderly woman at gunpoint, and he's 
convicted and sentenced to 10 years in prison. So 10 years in prison for kidnap, but 10 years probation for shooting two people. After breaking into the house. He shot the woman in the head. <gasps> and it, she lived? It grazed her skull. Oh my gosh. And she survived. Wow. So um, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison after the kidnapping. He was released in 1994, um, but he continued to have brushes with the law. Different things here and there. After the case was reopened, after Beth's case was reopened, investigators say people began to come forward, including a man who was a neighbor of Wood at the time. The witness states that he saw Wood return home the night of the murder around 4.30 in the morning, covered in what appeared to be blood. <gasps> And he failed to mention this in the first go-around? Exactly. It makes me so angry at people. Like, I can't even. Investigators interviewed more than 60 people who reported seeing Wood's clothing covered in blood when he returned home the morning of Beth's death. This, you have, I mean, at, at what point do you blame this on the investigators? Because th that's crazy. Well, here's, here's the thing. These are all people they interviewed at the time of the murder in 1982 they talked to everybody and none of these people came forward until after wood's death in 2014. it makes me wonder if people were just scared of him yes so it says that um talmage wayne wood died of natural causes february 23rd 2014 in a Waco hospital. According to the report, people were scared to death of him. And people said the only reason why they went to his funeral was to make sure he was dead. <gasps> wow. They go to his funeral just to make sure he's dead. Exactly. Because so then, when they, they want to so come forward with what happened, but they are terrified of what this man might do. I just can't believe that of all those people, nobody, nobody said anything. That's a lot of people. This is not one or two people. I know. I know. So, based on witness testimony, investigators were able to put together a timeline of events of what they believe happened to Beth Bramlett. So, investigators say they believe Wood saw Beth on the roadway trying to catch a ride and he picked her up. They say that she likely got concerned when he drove past the road to her house. And at some point, about 18 miles northeast of the lake, Wood stopped the car, beat her severely, shot her with a 22 caliber pistol, then dumped her body on the railroad tracks right in the middle of Axtell, which was only about a block away from her home so i mean it would make sense if he picks her up and says i'll take you home mm -hmm. and then drives almost to and her she's house like, this is my friend's dad uh, you know it's right. safe to ride home with him right but i still wonder why he didn't want her why he didn't want his daughter hanging out with beth in the first place right so um detective fuller said wood got back into his car after he dropped her off the railroad tracks and drove five miles to his house near the Methodist Children's Home Boys Ranch and got there about 4.30 a.m. Um, Detective Fuller said at the time of the murder, they looked everywhere for that car. Because, the car he was driving? Right. Because, like I said, he was originally on their radar because they knew he had been at the party. They knew he had an issue with the girl because of the friendship between his daughter and her fuller knew him from childhood so he knew he had a violent past he was on the radar and they looked everywhere for his car because they knew he had i mean it's a small town if right. 
I'm looking across the street and my neighbor, you know, drives a BMW and all of a sudden it just turns up missing. I'd be like, oh, well, what happened to the car? Did they sell it? Did they buy something new? You know, so did they ask him about his car and why he didn't have his car? Yeah, I mean, they questioned him. They questioned neighbors, but nobody was talking about anything. So Texas Ranger Jake Burson went through years of vehicle records and they think they found where it was sold to wood, but they never were able to track down where it went since. So if he sold it, it was never registered again, I don't think if he sold it right but i want to know what he told the police what did he tell the police he did with his car it doesn't really say much about their interview i mean you got to think it was 1982 it was super small town so if they even go up and knock on somebody's door then i mean what are the like what's the likelihood that they would actually record it if they were like oh no i didn't do that they'd be like oh you're right you're right Tell your mother I said hello. Say hi to the wife. I'll bring by an apple pie later. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so, like, the good old boys thing. But based off of just all the things that I was reading, there's a ton of reports. Based off of everything, I don't think that they necessarily confronted him at the time. I feel like they were waiting for the evidence because he was... He was such a dangerous person and such a kind of up in the air thing. I mean, they didn't have the gun. They didn't have a vehicle. They didn't have any DNA. They had nothing to go off of. So, and and, I mean, if they went and knocked on his door, it would just be a he said, she said type thing. Right. And then, I mean, there's no telling what he would do. He could run off. They could never find him again. So, I mean... You still... I mean, to an extent, you have to blame it on the investigators. I mean, they sh- that that's what they're there for. That's right. what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, I totally agree with you. Um, According to Sheriff McMcnamar, I was saying that wrong every time I read it until just now. <laughs> <laughs> on the night of the party, Wood reportedly instructed Teresa his daughter, um, to discard two guns. So they didn't find this out until after his death. Because his daughter was, was scared to death of him. him, yeah. And once he died, she came forward and said, Oh my gosh, I've been living with this for thirty five years. And I'm and- sure a lot all the all of those people did that. And they're just mm-hmm. waiting, you know? So apparently there was a stock tank near the, the wood home. So, authorities searched that stock tank. The tank was six or seven feet deep. They had a master diver go in there in 18 degree weather. To look for the guns. Yeah. And they didn't find anything. And that's where she said she threw them? Or got rid of them? Well, I mean, that's where they searched. So, I'm assuming that's where she said she put them. And they didn't find them. They didn't find anything. No evidence whatsoever. When I started reading that, I was like, oh my gosh, please tell me that they found his car in the tank. So, well, <laughs> it's six or seven feet deep. I mean, that's not some place you're going to hide a car, but... Well, still. No, you can hide a car in seven feet deep of water. I mean, it'd just be visible. A car. Yeah, but think about how, you know, think about tanks. They're, that's dirty water. But I guess it, it is Texas, and in the summer, that's not seven feet deep. That's true, too. <laughs> that thing is dry as a bone, I bet. Drought, drought comes through and <laughs> takes the water. Yes. Exactly. They ultimately um, determined that Talmadge Wayne Wood killed Beth Bramlett. Wow, her friend's dad. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that really bothered investigators was that they never knew why he hated her so much, which would that's obviously be mean, a motive. But and that I mean, that's what I in the, from the very beginning you said he told his daughter he didn't want her hanging out with Biff, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. And I don't 
I, I don't know what that would be. Yeah, exactly. Um, we don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, that's just one of those things that they'll, they'll never know. Mm. But, I that's mean, good. it took... Uh, 60 people confessing to what they knew 35 years later and he and he's dead Mm. so in all reality she'll never get justice because i mean he died of natural causes and she was beaten and shot you know that's awful i hate it whenever something happens like that and it turns out to be someone they know because Mm -hmm. you trust somebody and she just thought she was getting a ride home yeah and how do you man I would hate to be that friend. That friend that's like, yeah, I'll give you a ride home. Oh, we don't have any gas. So she gets out and then it's her own father. Yeah. I mean, come on. She's got to feel awful about that. Terrible. Just terrible. Ugh. Man, do not walk home by yourself. (laughs) Well, we don't do that in 2020. No, listen. Uh, Listen, (laughs) we don't walk in 2020, okay? You wouldn't catch me walking a block (laughs) if I needed to get the mail. Some people do. Not in Texas. It is too damn hot in Texas to be walking anywhere. Uh Uh-uh. And in the wintertime, you're going to freeze. It's going to get you down to the bone. It does. It gets cold. You got to (laughs) understand this humidity. It's ridiculous. It'll get you every time. Yeah, so don't walk alone. Don't take rides from anybody. People you know. (laughs) That's awful. Terrible. That's our story for tonight. Man, that is sad outside of waco axtell never heard of it but i don't want to go there <laughs> right it's like northeast of waco I'm, we're gonna have to peg these murder towns it's and like go see, go see what we see man axtell that's awful yep poor it beth. is terrible poor beth poor yeah poor beth's family oh for sure poor Teresa. well that's all we have for you that was good Thank Another you. episode down i got so into the research on this episode it was fascinating yeah Man. All right. Well, on to the next one. On to the next one. <laughs>